the Saturday Night South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Kyle Vera. Marler, little treat, little yeah. treat for the people at home. If you're watching us on video, thank you. We are recording this via Zoom. This is an SEC Championship preview. Now, maybe if you're just listening to this on the podcast version, you're not getting to see our beautiful faces. First of all, you should definitely head over to this is being posted on our Facebook page, Saturday Night South mm-hmm. Podcast Facebook group. I'm sure we're going to have this on all forms of social media if you're looking for that SEC Championship preview content or most forms of social media, right? Is that sure? Okay. So what we're doing today, we have a mailbag of SEC Championship-related questions related to Florida versus Alabama. Thank you to everybody who posted in our Facebook group who wanted stickers, maybe wanted to ask a question, hear their name get heard. Thank you for everybody who actually followed the rules and and posted SEC Championship-related questions. That was tough, yeah. That was uh, difficult to understand. You know, a lot lot of you guys didn't, and that's okay. You're just passionate. That's, That's perfectly fine. But we have... Eight questions, so we're doubling fourth and wrong today right. is what we're doing, essentially. And we're still going to have our usual picks for this game, so we're not going to get to those today. We will have that on our usual midweek podcast. How are we feeling about this? Are we feeling good? Yeah, let's do it. Um, you said, I mean, you put the questions in here, so I feel like we have, you said Boom. there's some good ones. Let's do it. Jason Fikes, he asks... Is it possible that the night and day difference between Florida's first half of season versus the second half is a product of the coaches prepping early for the SEC championship game? You, I mean, you want to start? I, 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 I don't think so. I, like, it, it says a lot to me about keeping a team motivated for sure, but I don't think it's they were. I mean, how early were they been prepping for this? That's the question. Yeah, were they prepping for this post Georgia game? I don't think so. I think that there are probably a few moments in which Dan Mullen has looked up and been like, hey, that Devontae Smith cat, dude can run. He's pretty good. That Najee Harris guy, he's good. Mac Jones, uh, not just a system quarterback. I would say there's at least a part of you after watching what happened against LSU that wonders if they were maybe looking ahead a touch. Oh, they were looking ahead yesterday for sure against LSU. I I don't think for the whole season, though. Yeah, maybe not the whole season, but I, I think that there's... There has to be some sort of game planning into that when you have that spot clinch, right? right? That's not to say that they were taking everybody lesser, but I think that's part of it. That's why I wanted to entertain a question like that. Usually, I would just kind of overlook that and say, eh, no. Yeah, I mean, it also says a lot, too, about how, like, the performance they had in the first half of games, the performances from other coaching staffs against them and scheming against them as well, and, and like, their execution. So I think there's a, a lot of failures. I hate to use that word necessarily because they're still in the SEC championship game, but, yeah, I don't think it was – because they were looking ahead. Yeah, I don't think you can blame some of the slow starts on just, oh, they were probably just looking at game at game film for Bama. I don't think that's necessarily fair to say. Garrett Torbert. Torbert? We'll call him Torbert. 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 He asks, with the defense improving every week, do you think there is a team in the country that can stay close with Alabama? And we can include Florida in that discussion. Stay close and beat are two different things, right? Yeah, that's fair. We think that there are teams that can stay close with Alabama. If you're betting, if we're betting our respective homes on Alabama losing a game this year, you're not feeling good about it. You're not like what, from what you've seen based on everything, ten and zero, all mm-hmm. of these, especially in the second half. Who do you think stands the best chance to um, be the first team to stay within 14 points of Alabama? Clemson. I, I, well, I don't think 14 points is ridiculous. I think that 
in a lot of ways, and maybe this is just because, like, I'm still jaded and and like, like scarred from 2018. But in a lot of ways, this could easily be just like 2018, where you saw yeah. like just a prolific offense that put up numbers we've never seen before and and, and broke all sorts of records. Uh, Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback, maybe Heisman leading uh, quarterback, a, a, a spotty defense at times. And then you get to a national championship game, and they haven't been tested. That's the thing. And I remember saying that in 2018. Like, Bama, Bama not being tested and, and teams not being tested when they get to the big stage is a big deal because you saw it last year with Ohio State. You, you saw it in 2018 with Bama against Clemson. If you haven't played a team that's, like, punched you in the mouth for four quarters, it's really difficult to, you know, ha- have, like, that test and, and medal and know, like, what your, your character's team is going to be in that moment. I, I think Clemson, with their D-line and, and their skill position players, is, is a team that could – they could definitely challenge Alabama and, and possibly beat Alabama. Here's the other thing, too, and we're going to get to see Florida do this as well. I've praised the defense for how well they've responded after that debacle in Oxford. Mm-hmm. Have they faced a team that can really stretch the field since then? I mean, like right. really stretch you downfield with quarterbacks, with a receiver who can go out and get it? I don't think so. No. Bonus, no, I mean, the, the slate's been pretty easy. It's been pretty favorable. So I think that's what this Florida game is interesting to see moving into the college football playoff because unless Florida, or unless Alabama rather, gets matched up in the first round with a team like Notre Dame, mm-hmm. they're going to see a team that has those types of weapons right. that's going to put the pressure on them to do those sort of things. I still tend to think the secondary is playing ridiculously well. And yeah. that's kind of the key thing for them, why I think that they they should fare well with anybody in the country. Teams are going to score against Bama. You don't win a national championship in the 2020s and not put up some serious points, and you're going to allow some points too. But I think that's if you're looking for something moving forward for Alabama going to the playoff, a bid that we think is already locked up, I think that's the key thing to to look for. Yeah, and and also playing an elite quarterback. Yeah, yeah, just playing a really good quarterback with Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, whoever Mm -hmm. it is. Uh, Those guys are definitely elite. Aaron Haggard, great last name, great last name. Aaron Haggard wants to know, if you switched Trask and Jones, which would have a greater impact on their new teams? I'll let you you start on this one. Okay, all right. I think that that both have really grown up with their coordinators. Like, that's the thing that you can't totally simulate because I think Kyle Trask working with Dan Mullen, we've seen him develop into what Dan Mullen wants from a quarterback now. It's different than what he wanted with Nick Fitzgerald. It's even different than what he wanted with Felipe Franks. Right. I actually think Mac Jones would be better suited to go to Florida. I think he would, just because I think there are certain moments where Mac Jones does things from a downfield standpoint that we just don't fully appreciate whether it's looking off a safety, feeling pressure from the backside, being able to move a little bit better in the pocket than we give him credit for, that I think translates elsewhere. Now, Kyle Trask might be built better for the pros, but I think that Trask would maybe have a slight hesitancy with some of the anticipation throws that he's learned so yeah. much with that offense in Dan, with Dan Mullen that I think that's maybe the one area. And I've been high on Kyle Trask, but I'd probably take Mac Jones in that. Yeah, I mean, like, one thing about Jones, too, is he's a, he's a, not I wouldn't say a lot more mobile, but he's definitely more mobile than Kyle Trask, and with a terrible offensive line, not terrible, but with an offensive line that has, has been um, an issue at times this year at, at Florida, I think that that would probably suit Mac a little bit better. The, the thing about this question that always cracks me up is that I think the, the basis of the, the question is almost the argument that you see online all the time, which is like, well, I mean, who means the most their team? And also, 
Mac Jones only puts up these numbers because he has so much talent around him, uh, which cracks me up because think about the talent. We saw it last night that's around uh, around Kyle Trask. And, like, I know they don't have a running game, but, like, when you have Kadarius Toney, when you, ha- when you have Trayvon Grimes, when you have a guy like Kyle Pitts who obviously didn't play against LSU, I, like, you could argue they are more talented, like, at the skill position right now than Alabama is. And, and yeah. I honestly think they are because – I understand Najee Harris and Devontae Smith are, are at, the, at the top of their position in the entire country. Totally get that. But when you lose a guy like Jalen Waddle, like is Slade Bolden putting up 100-yard games? No. Is, is John Mechie putting up big games since the A&M game? No. So it's, it's really like a three-headed monster. I, I think that Mac would do better there. And, and also, the, I don't know what other numbers that – what else could Kyle do in this Bama offense like I, that we haven't seen? Yeah, that's that's the thing is I think he he needs a little bit more time to be, to be able to develop that rapport with his receivers, right. and I think Mac Jones would be a little bit more ready to walk in. That's not to say that one is going to be a better pro than the other, but right. if I'm asking what's more translatable, I think that's it. Sandor Garrett Bulldog, if that's if that's a real name, I like that. Fantastic name, fantastic name. If Bama were to lose to a two-loss Florida team, how would this affect the playoff picture? And why should both teams still make it? You take this one. I, so, I, I like the mental gymnastics are in full effect, I think, because you still want to obviously make the playoff, and, and it's like fresh off a loss against LSU. I, if Florida beats Bama, I don't think they're in, which sounds weird. I don't either. But I, I, I honestly believe at this point the playoff field is kind of set because – there's nothing else really that, that the committee I mean, like the, the Florida win doesn't look as impressive now for A and M. Like just hate to say it, but like that's what the, that's what the committee will most likely say. It was also at home it was by three points, all that kind of stuff. Like as long as Clemson, who's a ten point favorite against the number two team in the country that's undefeated, you know, holds serve and, and wins, I I think that the final four is already set. So I, I think if Bama loses, they're in regardless. Like if you, if, especially if the argument for Ohio State is the eye test, Bama's done nothing but pass the eye test. I hate to say it, but yeah, it's like only one team's advancing from the SEC this year. Told I think y'all. it'd be, yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. I think it'd be slightly different if we're talking about an LSU team who is six and two, seven mm-hmm. and one. I think it's different when we've seen this LSU team get beat like a drum, and yeah. to come out like that at home when you're a three score favorite, it it, it makes a lasting impact. Let's also. Yeah. There, there's the fact of, hey, we've never seen a two-loss team in the college football playoff. We've also only seen one team with a loss of more than 17 points make the college football playoff. 2017 Georgia. 2017 Georgia then got to avenge that loss that they had to Auburn in the SEC championship, which they won, and they were a one-loss SEC champion. Mm-hmm. The selection committee hates blowout losses. They do. They really yeah. do. So Florida's not necessarily going to get punished in that regard and they do have the close loss thing working but at the same time when you lose to a team of that caliber for your second loss it makes a difference and maybe you know iowa state should have been hurt more for that okay iowa state definitely should have been hurt yeah for that that's been weird that's been super super weird but i think the path ultimately ended with a loss to lsu despite what dan mullen said before and after the game and it sucks and and like we make the argument sometimes that conference championships should matter and they could still win which is great but the other thing working against them is that A&M loss looks like if, if you want to just like throw away the loss against LSU and their other best losses to A&M has been a really great team. You also have to look at the fact that the other loss or the one loss A&M has is a blowout loss against against Alabama. So it's just I, I think I think the path is probably over. Exactly. Unless chaos That's, happens. 
even then, I don't know. It's because yeah. A and M would get in over Florida at this point, in my opinion. Yeah, A and M has only one loss, unless A and M were to lose last week of the season to Tennessee or something like that. Then we're talking about a one loss A and M team who has the head to head against Florida. So theoretically, an A and M team would be more deserving. And if we think Bama's already in, then yeah, I don't. I just don't see that path as yeah. much as much as that frustrates Florida fans. Chris Tapley wants to know, does anyone else think that Dan Mullen looks like a vulture or crow from a Disney movie? Or a serious question, we can answer both of these. Serious question, if Florida can establish a run and passing game, will this be one of the highest scoring SEC championship games ever? Both good questions. Let's tackle the crow question first. What do you think about that? Uh, Not a crow, per se. I I think, um, I I would say more like Hades from uh, from Hercules. Oh, okay. Or maybe it was... Hunchback of Notre Dame? No, what? That's that's Grantham for sure. Um, But yeah, like I don't know about I don't know about a a vulture crow, but I love the description. I love it. It's it's very good. The vivid detail is is fantastic. Um, What about you? I could see him as a villain. As a villain, maybe not a a vulture or a crow. Like like the voice of a vulture would actually be really good. Like a a, a Disney animated movie. I could definitely see him doing that. Everybody wants to put the Darth Vader thing there. He doesn't have enough enough of that that raspiness in his voice yeah. needed for something like that. He's definitely more Disney Disney Plus that demographic. Um, serious question: If Florida can establish a run and passing game, will this be one of the highest scoring SEC championship games? What a seamless transition! I sure go ahead. One of one of yeah. I mean, theoretically, I, I don't think it's going to get to 2013 territory. Of course, with Auburn and Mizzou, which was. A shootout for the ages. What was the final of that? 58 to 42, 100 combined points or something like that. Yeah. I don't now think that we're getting to that point just because I think this Bama defense can make more stops than that. Right. And I think that Florida has been a little bit too one-dimensional at times. I don't think you can be one-dimensional against Bama for 60 minutes. So I think that prevents me from saying that this will get to that level, whereas maybe a couple weeks ago I would have said that it would. I, I'm looking at the offensive uh, numbers right now for, for Florida throughout the year. Um Mississippi against Ole Miss, they, they, I guess, had both going because um, they had, you know, obviously over 600 yards. Um, but South Carolina, A&M, uh, Georgia, uh, those are <laughs> Tennessee. These are all games where they had a significant amount of passing yards, three, 400 yards and under 100 yards rushing. I, I don't think like Saban, what Saban does best, usually it's the same thing with Belichick is he'll, he'll make you play left handed and take away one thing for you. I don't think they're going to try to take away Kyle Pitts necessarily, but, but I don't think that like Bama is really concerned about Florida's run game. I don't, I don't think that's, that's an over, overly concern. And also the other part of that is Kyle Trask is not a runner. Like, like, like that's, not, that's not a threat either. So, And I think, too, if Florida falls into this trap where it's down a touchdown or two, just going to start throwing. You're going to see 50 yeah. attempts for Kyle Trask. I think Florida puts up points in this game. Oh, without a doubt, like, yeah. I don't think it's one of these games in which Bama is – you know, looking up 52 to 7. I don't think it feels like a 2015, 2016 SEC championship where it's quite that lopsided. Florida's out there. I mean, contrast is not Treon Harris. Like, <laughs> let's not let's not make that that yeah. you know that sort of argument or anything like that. But that, I mean, the biggest concern for me would be the fact that if you get if you let Florida come out like like the 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 way to beat Bama is is chaos and and things going wrong early. Right, like, 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 look at the A and M game with Manziel from like eight years ago. Gosh, like, I was gonna name that. Coming out, I'm so glad I mean, you like, said that. Coming out like on fire. Like, look at LSU last year. They they played ahead the entire game. Yeah. 
Florida has has trailed in the in the second quarter of their last four straight games against really bad competition. So I think can't happen. Yeah, they're, yeah they're, and they'll put up points, but I, I don't know if it'll be like that. Yeah, and I think it's I, I would not bet on Florida being willing to establish the run game. I yeah. think that's another part of this that's that's hard to to see happening. Good question though. Both questions were good. Justin Lindsay wants to know, assuming both offenses come to play and both QBs play great, someone has to lose. What is the best performance by a player, either side of the ball, you've ever seen in a losing effort in the SEC championship? I love this question. I thought about this question for 20 minutes yesterday. Best? You know, you go first. I, I got mean, three. I got three. Okay. As I just held up six total, I guess. Um, one, 2018 Jake Fromm. Before the Jalen Hurts yeah, comeback, yeah. he was phenomenal, and I think it gets overlooked in that game. And we talk about the Jake Fromm legacy in a much different way if Georgia ends up winning that game and going to the playoff. But he was so good in that game, and it was such a different year-to-year uh, sight, in my opinion, for what he did against Alabama in that defense. Yeah, but that's one that stands out. The one that gets overlooked is James Franklin, 2013. Yes, where that was a game where Mizzou was awesome and he had like 360 yards four touchdowns nick marshall and oh trey mason were pretty good that day too we scored 42 points you should be able to win and you would think that mizzou defense 42 points is more than enough that did not prove to be the case so that's one that stands out and the other this is an adjustment more special that we did defensive side of the ball 2007 guy by the name of eric berry um certainly yeah future um pro football hall of famer he had like in that game against LSU, we could just, I mean, Hester would know about this. Eric Ainge would know about this. He had an interception. I think he forced a fumble. I think he had a TFL in that game, too. Mm-hmm. Dude was everywhere. And we still didn't quite know who Eric Berry was, but that was like kind of his big-time national coming-out party. So those are the three that I immediately jumped to. So the 2018 Jake Fromm one is the best one that I could think of, I feel like, like off the top of my head. I wanted to say, um, let's see, uh, the, the other one that comes to mind, and this is like, there's probably some great ones that I'm, that I'm overlooking. Like I just, admittedly, there's, there's gotta be some that I'm overlooking. Um, I mean, 2009, I don't, well, actually, no, that was kind of a blowout. Um, McFadden didn't do much in 2006. I, I, I would say Todd Gurley in 2012 as a true freshman. Um, yeah, he was good, yeah. Against, uh, I'm, I'm trying to pull it up right now, against, against Bama. Um, and that was at a time too, when like defense was still like a, a you know, I think Bama had the number one defense in the country, and, and they they mm-hmm. still had that that streak that was like only this many players had had, had over 100 yards, like where it was impressive, right? Yeah. And you have a true freshman um, that comes in just as back and forth, and he has over 122 yards rushing, and then like just gashing Bama at times. So I would say probably that one as well. That was the game. Um, by the time people listen to this, this will already be out. Shameless plug. This game is going to have the best matchup of quarterbacks that we've ever seen in an SEC championship. 2012 is the only game that truly comes close where it's both quarterbacks. Yeah. Because we've obviously seen there have been three quarterbacks who have won the SEC championship and then gone on to win the Heisman Trophy. Danny Werfel, Cam Newton, Joe Burrow. If you look back at all these matchups... Cam played against our guy, Steven Garcia, in 2010. We love Garcia. Mm-hmm. He's not playing on the level of a Kyle Trask or a Mac Jones, despite what happened against LSU. 2012, Aaron Murray against A.J. McCarron is probably the best other, or you could say like Tua versus Jake Fromm, Joe Burrow versus Jake Fromm, or something like that. But that none of those guys... Jake Fromm. 
Yeah, like none of those guys finished in the top 10 of the Heisman. And you could say yeah. even 2013, Nick Marshall, James Franklin is kind of sneaky good. Those guys weren't even all SEC quarterbacks that year. This is yeah. just different. 97 with uh, with Peyton Manning and Damian Craig was a, was a good one because um, I think Damian was a uh, was a senior at that point. That was a, that was a really underrated SEC championship. We don't talk about that one enough. I think it was a, like a one point game. Like that that was a fantastic one. True. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I could see that point. I, I think the other ones you could look at. Um, Jay Barker, Danny Werfel. I mean, yeah, 94, cause like, only because the fact that his numbers were terrible, but Barker finished fifth in the Heisman that year. <laughs> um, so so that's one. I mean, if, if you want to look from just a sheer name standpoint, 96, you had Danny Werfel versus Freddie Kitchens, the former coach of the Browns, uh, as well. His numbers so, that year were not very good, too. No, no, well. he was, as my grandpa said, he was hot, fat, and sweaty all the time. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, um, for, like, there's been better teams and, and better matchups from that standpoint, but, I, yeah, you're right. The, I don't know about a better quarterback situation. Yeah, with with both quarterbacks, you know, right. I think you you'd say uh, better quarterbacks have played in the SEC championship, right. where it's both guys. So that in itself is interesting. But I, I love that question from Justin yeah. Lindsay. I, I thought about that for a while. Cameron Camp, friend of Saturday Night South podcast Facebook group. If you have not joined that yet, you should, totally should. Absolutely. He asks after Alabama beats Florida and goes on to win another national championship, will Nick Saban finally retire? Man, I. I don't know. I, yes. Let me text I mean, Chris Lowe real quick and see if I, he's done a story on that in the last I'm week. I'm assuming no, but like, like, it, but you could also it makes it kind of makes sense at this point that he that he could because it's just like this would be. I don't know if there's a better achievement if if he won a national title this year, like coming off of like like where the offense was, like where the right. offense was, and, like and. I think that if he if he does if he wins this year, you could see him at least start to be on his way out and and where. Um, I don't think they're going to name Sark necessarily the coach in waiting, but I don't think Bama fans would be that upset about it if they did. And I think if if, if it's somebody that Saban trusts, which he, I haven't seen him blow up on on that coordinator ever, which is uh, you know he's done a great job. That's probably why. But um, you know I don't, I don't know. Like I, I will say that having two grandkids now and and like I, w- I don't like dealing with social media in the season. I can't imagine having to deal with all the shit he has to deal with. Um. I think maybe, and maybe this is just me reading a little bit too much into Chris Lowe type of stories that come out where Nick Saban always makes sure to do his semi-annual, I feel great, I feel like I can do this yeah. forever. Always coincidentally, like a few weeks before recruiting really gets going into the, into the thick of things, oddly enough. I think him being away from that game against Auburn, yeah. where he's still yelling at the TV, we saw the story, and you kind of read... He still is not willing to give this up, and he's not willing to settle into that phase of his life. Right. Maybe that sort of puts some perspective into this, because when I first started this job, I'm saying, yeah, like he gets to 70, 71, he's done. Right. I'm not sure that's the Which case anymore. Which makes sense. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think the Sark thing has rejuvenated him in a different sort of way. Okay. And I think we kind of... We, we might overlook this because it's Bama and Bama's putting up points. Bama's put up points before. But I think, as you mentioned, that part doesn't stress him out in the same way that it yeah. used to. Bama's not this like hot and cold offensive team. I mean, the floor is just so unbelievably high with this offense that I, I think that that's kind of changed his outlook and maybe his stress level as well. I think it's really still yeah. really stressful to be in that spot. But I, I now look at this and think, yeah, why can't he coach until he's 75, 77? Like, Effectively, too. 
Yeah, exactly. Not be a Joe Paterno. Another number one recruiting class. Like, I, I, but I still say we talk about it all the time with other other coaches. I think the the success, especially late in his career, is going to depend on who he has around him and and who who he has as like assistants and and all the other coaches on staff. Because you get a guy like Sarkeesian on staff, you know, before this season, people would like there there are people that we work with that that said he was a bottom bottom you know tier play caller in the SEC, and, and I think we. He's obviously proven that wrong, but like I think Saban at this point is going to put the the program in the best position to succeed um, and put it in the best hands possible. And and so whenever that comes into play, that's that's when you'll see him you'll see him go. And that's kind of the new the new way that this works. I mean, we've we saw that in the past at a place like Florida State. We've seen it more recently at places like Ohio State and Oklahoma, where you turn turn it over to an offensive mind who looks like he has a good feel for things. You just let this thing go. So that could be the direction that Alabama ultimately chooses to go. In. If I all I want to see, like, I just don't want to see a fraternal situation where they're just like wheeling out this like you know. Saban's in so much better shape, and he takes so much better care of himself. Sands little Debbie's. You know. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, 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 where he doesn't know what else to do, so he does, he just stays coaching. Because like Bobby Bowden wouldn't leave, and like I, I just, you know, what's that that quote? Like, just take that gun from my cold dead hands. Like I, I take the job from their cold dead hands. I, I don't want to see an 81 year old raspy voice Joe Paterno like like Nick Come Saban going out there. Come guys, it's the worst. Go nice. home, go study. It's the worst. I don't want that happen at all. It's too soon to make Joe Paterno jokes. All right, last question. We'll end with this one. Thomas Roy, he asks, which quarterback puts up more yards in the SEC championship? I think this is a pretty easy answer. What do you think? Kyle Trask. Easily. Yeah. Easily, especially if Florida is playing from behind. I think we could be looking at a situation in which Kyle Trask has 15 to 20 more pass attempts than Matt yeah. Jones. I don't well, think that's crazy. I just think that the game plan to win is going to be to, to throw the football. And, yeah. and I think that... You know, and I brought up the stats earlier against Georgia. One of the reasons that they didn't have as many rushing yards is because they were throwing the ball so effectively. And if they can scheme people open, I think that is their best path to winning um, with, with you know, their personnel. So I think he'll definitely have more yards. I think it's going to look like a um, – what's, what's the best example? Almost like, like the Tua LSU game mm. where he puts up a lot of yards and, and, and puts up some, like, you know – like. Several touchdowns and, and probably three, 300, 400 yards passing, maybe. Um, but the completion percentage, like the, the big time throws, like, like the big chunk plays, aren't, aren't there as much. Over under 45 pass attempts for Kyle Trask in this game. Over. I probably agree with that. I would probably agree with that. Yes, I think Trask ultimately puts up more numbers, I, or more, more passing yards, at least from that yep. standpoint. Maybe not more touchdown passes or anything like that, but we expect a lot of passing attempts from both of these teams. We've seen what they do when they are at their best and they are rolling. Yep. All right, this has been fun. Hopefully everybody's enjoyed this little, little extra treat. We still have all of our picks and stuff that are coming down on Wednesday. That is the plan. We're still going to talk about non-SEC championship games. So we're going to talk about signing day, all those different things. We're going to have a lot more SEC championship coverage on SaturdayDownSouth.com. So if you're not yet following us on all forms of social media, you should totally be doing that. You should be subscribing to the Saturday football newsletter. Can't tell you how many people come up to me and are like, or not come up to me, but like send me messages. I love this. It's one of the best things that you guys do. 100% agree. You should definitely go do that. So, Marler, what do we need to remember? It just means more, guys. Talk to you guys soon.